the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com. And on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. World Series Eve edition. Thanks for tuning in. Beautiful sunshine today. Down to 44 eventually this evening. Tomorrow's sunny and a high up to 60. We'll get a couple other things out of the way here. Sixers lost last night. Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, 31 points apiece. They'll try and get back on track against Toronto. They're on the road this time tomorrow night. Sixers are uh, at 7.30. Flyers are home tonight, 7 o'clock. Having a pretty good start to their season. Taking on Florida. And, of course, the Phillies at Houston tomorrow for Game 1 of the World Series at 8.03. Victoria, you were at... The World Series back in 2008 when you were barely born, I think it was. Actually, I was 14. Yeah, barely so born. So not quite barely born, but yes, many moons ago. Which game did you go to? I went to two. So wow, you okay. can crack my memory if it's wrong. The one I specifically remember, I want to say we won it by game six, correct? Or was it, was, it game? We, Well, the fifth game. Was, right, okay. The so, fifth game was two parts. It feels right, like six. Right, so games. I went to the one where they ended up ending it, and then you had to come back where they won it all. So. Yes, that, that was, that, I guess. That was game five, but it was 5A it was and 5B. It rained out. Right. Yeah. So that that one. There you go. Yeah. So, so that I guess I went to the good one. You the went good to, one, right? You did. You went yeah. to the one where they claimed the championship. I got sick a week after, as I told you. The rain was very cold, but it was worth it. It was. It was a weird several days. You know, the Phillies are up three games to one, and you're like, we just want to, I'm sure the players were especially, uh, I just want to play the game. So today, ironically and interestingly enough, we have... Someone from that 2008 squad will be joining us, the uh, one and only J.C. Romero. He was actually the winning pitcher in the game that you attended. And I did yes. the same thing. My other little claim to fame besides the obvious, it was a wonderful night. I found 20 bucks that night. Walking, wow. walking back to my car, it was pouring rain, I think the first night. <laughs> and I'm just looking down. There's a $20 bill soaked on the ground. So. There you go. Did you dry it out with a hairdryer? Yeah, I don't know. I did something. When you got a bunch of kids and mouths to feed, you find a way to make that work. Oh, I bet. Lost my wife and kids that night as well in the parking lot. It was dark. Oh, Eventually, no. we found each other. One of them was like standing on a car like, Dad, I'm way over here. I was standing on a car. Yeah, it was crazy. There were people jumping on cars and whatnot. It yeah. was a wild night. And by the way, I'll remind, remind me to show you a picture. I had braces back then. Okay. And you see me a picture of the World Series with my braces. Was that Victoria? Uh, That's not Victoria. <laughs> oh, it is. Throwback. Yeah. Well, so JC is a he's a very articulate guy. He's a godly guy. He can talk on lots of topics. And so we're gonna pick his brain across the board. He was on the mound, if folks remember, the one that's called the Chase Utley play. In uh and it was you know the seventh inning. It's a, a tie game, I believe. And no, uh yeah, tie game. And there's a runner on second base for Tampa Bay. J.C. Romero, our guest coming up, came in. And there's a ground ball kind of up the middle. And Chase Utley's running uh, to his right towards second base. Ball's not hit all that hard. And 
there's not really much of a chance for him to spin and throw and get the run around at first. He knew that. And so uh, he and his guile as a ball player scooped the ball and pump faked to first base instead because his hope was that the runner from second who was going to third on the play would just keep running and try to score, which is exactly what the runner did. And Utley, after a pump fake to first, turned and threw a strike to home plate and got the runner at the plate. And that saved the uh, preserved things. Philly scored a run in the bottom of that inning, which proved to be the winning run. And on the mound for that whole sequence, our guest today, J.C. Romero. So be sure to ask him about that. It's a key moment in Philly's history and certainly in that game. But also we'll talk to him about a lot of other things, not just the baseball season or baseball in general, but what he's been doing since. And certainly his take on uh, walking with the Lord because he's he's done that. And he's a very I found him to be a very candid person. He's willing to share the good, bad and the ugly. So it'll be nice to have uh, him on the program. Uh, more than nice. It's a real blessing to have him on. Also, just uh, before we go to our first early break, we want to make room for this conversation with JC. Uh, our Trans World Radio scoreboard, we're up to 76 uh, radios now. So we're starting to make some progress. We still have 124 to go by Monday at midnight. If we could, I'd love to get at least across the halfway mark on the back nine, so to speak. If we could get uh, 20, what is it, 26 radios, uh, even this hour, that would be such a wonderful thing. Take some pressure off and help us feel like, okay, we can get there. They're $50 each. We're sending these to Africa, nine different countries, and they're wind-up. You don't need electricity, so that's the beauty of it. You don't have to um, uh, have a plug-in or anywhere, which is going to make it possible for those who receive it to take it with them wherever they go and hear the gospel in their own language. So it's a very missionary-minded, gospel-minded thing you can do, whether you can do $50 for one radio, that'd be fantastic, or maybe do $25 for half or $100 for a couple. Maybe there's someone who can step up and say, I can do $10. i will do 10 for, what is it, $500? Um, you know, it takes a few more gifts like that that moves us along, and then we feel like, okay, finish line's possible now. We've been lagging behind a bit. We're starting to make some good progress. Thanks to Paige and New Hope did five. Ronald and Woodbury did one. Jeanette in Philadelphia also doing one. Earlier we had... Uh, who was it? Oshi Orby. I like that name. Orby in Philly did five and uh, Tom and Glenside adding one. So we're at 76, 124 to go. If you're willing to help out, we would love that. Uh, again, the number, I didn't get the number yet. 888-988-5656. 888-988-5656. Or right in our homepage, we can see the scoreboard. We update as we get updates from TWR at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Somebody said you go friend. AM560 WFIL.com on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. And we're glad to bring on board now 2008 World Series champion, relief pitcher for that squad, won two games that year, J.C. Romero. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing uh, I'm really happy right now. It's a, it's a good good time to, uh, to be watching, watching baseball. <laughs> yes. You, you got to play like a dozen years in the big leagues or so, and – uh, but and you've stayed in the game, I think, afterwards, doing some coaching and all that. But you still a fan of the game and watch, you know, like kind of no matter who's in the series. Yeah, I watch the game. Um, I like to to learn new things, and when you see and you look at the way the game is evolving and the new things that are being used, you know, analytics being part of it. Uh, sometimes, even if you don't 
you are not 100% sold on that. You want to learn. You want to understand the why behind it. Yeah. So I, li- I like to keep up, uh, you know, with the game and, and, and see where it's going. We had talked a few years ago on the 10-year anniversary of the World Series win, and you, uh, at the time, I think we're about to launch a kind of a baseball academy, or it was going to be a virtual thing, I think. Uh, how did, yeah, that, did that go, or did you wind up coaching in a different way or teaching? Actually, you know what? After after you know thinking about it, I, I went in a different route. Yeah, and I actually have I actually have an indoor facility that I run here down south in Alabama, and uh, you know it, it's called the Baseball Academy, and I'm running around you know forty to fifty kids, <laughs> um, you know uh, literally like weekly. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I'm staying busy with the game, but it's, it's a very amazing feeling being able to get back to, to those kids, not only in the physical aspect, but uh, in the mental aspect as well. Yeah, you talked about that. I remember uh, in our other conversation the importance of not just physical skills and even mental skills with the game, but also life skills, too, and, and uh, things like perseverance or helping, I think you used the word pure at the time, to help the kids before they start to find all the other trappings that can come with being a ball player and, and traveling and all that, and just to help them stay on the right track from the get-go, and especially if possible, to point them to the Lord as far as where their skills come from in the first place. To me, to me that's the most important part, you know, implementing a foundation that is, you know, that is technically uh, uh, very firm and uh, based on the Lord and the faith and the belief, because like you mentioned, I mean, the skills that come from the Lord and it's our job to, to glorify, you know, his name using, using them correctly. So I'm, I'm very, I mean, I'm very passionate about that. And so far it's going really well. Amen. That's great to hear. And I think at the time you were, uh, or had been roped into assistant coaching, then head coaching your daughter's travel softball team or something. And, uh, are you still coaching? She was like 11 at the time. Is she 15 now? She's still playing ball. Yeah, she's she's still playing ball. She's playing, you know, uh, base uh, basketball and softball for the high school here in Fairhope High School. Yeah, and uh, but we we are not running the travel ball team anymore. Okay, we have other people that still running teams under our name, which is Southern Prospects. But um, you know, as a parent, sometimes you have to understand when it's time for you to to kind of walk away and let your kid have their own path and hmm. and hear a different voice and you know after a lot of prayer we realized that you know our daughter needed to to have a different a different voice and uh so we went, we are very supportive of, of her but we want some other people to also have input in her life amen and that's you know we're just watching from the outside right now that's a good word the scouting report at the time was she was an outfielder occasional first baseman with some pop so she's still <laughs> has she settled into a position at this point because you know, yeah She's still, she's still, she likes to play the outfield, especially the corners, corners okay. outfield. Okay. Uh, she played first base some, and she's still hot pop. That's good. <laughs> I, well, our daughter Tessa is 19, and uh, I loved mm-hmm. coaching her, but some years, like you, I had also stepped away, or I did the book only, and it was fun, mm-hmm. depending on the team she was on. She might be the shortstop for two years, then they need an outfielder, and she's quick, so she would shift to there, and then she was a catcher for three or four years. So, you know... And each of those is fun. It's part of the development of a player, too, to find out what they like. And even in the pros, right? Mm-hmm. You would see a player who comes up as a whatever catcher that he plays second base instead or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. or starting pitcher becomes a relief pitcher, vice versa. So 
And yeah, the, the value of being an athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, when you could be very diverse and you could just play multiple positions, especially with the way the game is played nowadays, yeah. it's very important. But I keep saying, I, I'm a firm believer when your bat is loud, they will find a position for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's funny. Folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with J.C. Romero, Phillies uh, a World Series champion, the 2008 team. Uh, by the way, before I forget, in that 2008 World Series, as exciting as it was, there's a little hidden nugget in there that I believe that was the only uh, series in the deciding game five that you ever batted in the postseason. You had your one postseason at bat that that game, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And I was so mad. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. It was called. They say, hey, JC, we're going to keep you the next inning. So I just grab a bat, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. So let me go grab a bat, and and I remember somebody say, "Don't get hurt." Yeah, and, you know, I saw I saw the first pitch, and I just swung, and I'm like, uh, you know, I grounded out to the middle, I guess second base, and they force a second. Yeah, but uh, it was it was it was a very good experience, and uh, even my wife, until this day, she says she had her head down, <laughs> and all of a sudden they say my name. And she's like, well, well, what? And when she looked up to the to the jumbotron, there, there I was getting ready to hit. So she couldn't even film that bat because by the time she got the the cell phone, it was too late. <laughs> That's so fun. And it was just the was it the one pitch, like first pitch swing? Yeah, yeah. it was one pitch. I wasn't wasn't trying to to play around with getting deep in the count. My mind wasn't to yeah. You know, I got to get back to the man. So I'm like, if if I see anything close, just swing. Right, and of course, because you had pitched in the American League early on, the playoffs with I guess Minnesota and the Angels, so you know you wouldn't have had a chance to bat with the DH at that point. So uh, all that, yeah. but that's fine. Well, but I had yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sure. No, I'm saying I, I have few at bats when I was a starting pitcher. So uh, my claim of fame is uh, I have a double at Wrigley Field when I was a starting uh, with the Twins. So, I mean, at least I could say, you know, I played the big leagues and I got a double, too, so it's good. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, I want to talk about 2008 for a second. Before that, though, 2020, this, the you know, World Series starting with the you know, Phils and Astros, just, you know, you mentioned early on your baseball fan. Uh, have, you, have you kept tabs on the 2022 team and just any thoughts about what you see from afar? Well, yes, I saw. I knew the talent from the get-go. I knew the talent was there. I knew it was going to take a little bit of time. But, you know, when you have hitters, you know, like Bryce, you got Reese, you, you know, uh, you got Kyle Schwalber, which is a proven winner. I mean, you know those pieces are going to come together. They're going to lead, and they're going to come together sooner or later. Um, you know, a guy, a veteran like like uh, James Segura, that has been, you know, in the big league for, in the big league for so long. Right. I mean, I knew that there was not worry when it comes down to our offense, but I also realized that our defense at times was, wasn't as sharp as it could have, have been. Yeah. And I knew that in order for you to have a good run in the playoff and play deep into the, into the playoff, you needed to clean that up. And seems like, even though we have a couple of miscues, seems like we minimize those mistakes. So once I start seeing that, and I start seeing the pitchers clicking, I realized, you know what, we have a chance. And, you know, we always say, boys, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm. It seems like the boys start picking uh, picking at the right time, and 
here we are now. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Romero, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia, the 2008 World Series, the anniversary of the, the Game 5 win. Game 1, Phil's win. You don't get in that game, but the next four games, you pitch in all of them. Very different experiences, too, because Game 2, which the Rays won 4-2, to two, you came in in the uh, bottom of the eighth. I think the Phillies were down by three runs. And so although I'm guessing there's pressure uh, – Maybe less pressure, but you don't want to see the go to five or six one. I, I think people might assume that oh, no pressure. It's like no, you're not going to necessarily lose. You got to make sure it stays four to one. Yeah, I take I, I took every game like you know with the with the same approach. Um, my job was to try to get the inning, get out of the inning uh, any way I could, and uh, you know so the score didn't matter to me. And I learned that at a young age when you know when you play for a coach. Uh, head coach or manager uh, uh, like Tom Kelly, a veteran manager, he teaches you, you know, don't take any inning for granted. You go there and you do your job hmm. and make sure that you do it to the, you know, in a way that, you know, you give me the confidence to put you back there again. So that always stuck in my mind. But, yeah, the first game was, was good. I mean, when we were in Tampa, you know, I felt real comfortable. And then we came back to Philadelphia and then, you start seeing all the passion from from the from the fans, and you start feeling at home. So, that, you know, pressure is something that I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what it is because for me, is uh, is like I enjoy that situation. So the you know the tighter the game is, uh, I think the you know I strive for those moments. So, but that's me. I'm not saying I, I'm normal. But that's the way I'm built. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I enjoy that. So when people say pressure, I'm like, no, I'm just playing ball. <laughs> you remind me of uh, Raul Abanez in 2009. I was standing in the locker room next to him during uh, pl- during the playoffs, and somebody asked him about pressure, and he said that pressure was not uh, playing the game. We're playing a game. It, it, it's pressure, but it's not. He says pressure is the the single mom trying to put food on her table and a couple other things, people trying to work two or three jobs to pay their bills. It was a very insightful comment, and it, it was you know, very gracious man to begin with when he would speak. But that was a – as you speak there, it also kind of comes to mind. And even in the end, it's called Game 7, right? It's not mm-hmm. Surgery 7 or War 7. It's Game 7, uh, even as important and as high stage as, as it is. That, so, yeah. Uh, game- that's, that's, that's correct. You're right on point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as a believer too, you know that uh, you have the extra advantage yeah. of of taking advantage, mm-hmm. you knowing that there are bigger things. Believe it or not, as important. And I don't want to downplay sports. I love it. St- stuff comes mm-hmm. to stuff comes uh, out of sports and what you learn playing them and character and perseverance and, and just friendship. Being able to go to a ball game uh, with your dad or a friend or something like that is all valuable. Um, that yeah. game, but that so that game two experience to get that inning in, even though the Phillies were behind. Uh, the next night, you come in in a very tight game, speaking of which, top of the eighth, I think two outs, game's tied 4-4, and you finish that game out with, with four outs, including a strikeout, so the Phils hang on and win and go up 2-1 rather than down 2-1. So that's a pivotal mm-hmm. moment in the series. I was having so much I was having so much fun, and being honest, I was so so grateful, and I was so, uh, you know, I felt like I was, uh, you know, I, I, honestly, I was humbled by it. Because, I mean, I knew that the Lord put me in Philly for a reason. <laughs> and so, you know, when you start thinking and you start looking at the bigger picture, it's like you say, you know, we, we live by faith. And I know that, 
me going back to Philly after 07, it was something that I decided that the Lord put in my heart. So for me to play and be wearing the uniform and, and be put, you know, being able to be put in that, in those situations, I think that that was the reason why the Lord had me there. So, I mean, I have so much peace and it's crazy to say this and people probably going to be like, man, JC, I mean, he's, something's going on with JC. Mm-hmm. But it's like, for me, it was, uh, it was so, uh, so such a peaceful moment because all the hard work that I put in my days in Puerto Rico and when I went to University of Mobile without speaking English and all that, it's like all that was, you know, was all that make me realize that's worth it. That's what I did. It I did it to be in this moment. So take advantage of it. And were you thinking then at the end of '07? Maybe I don't remember your contract status. Was it possible you were going to go somewhere else at the end of '07? Yeah, uh, when we finished after 07, um, yes, we, uh, you know, I talked to my agent, and the first thing that I said was, I want to go back to Philly. Hmm. And he said, well, let's, let's wait, because there's a couple teams that need a lefty, including the Yankees, and so we're going to wait. I mean, I think the Yankees, you know, probably going to put an offer there and all that. I said, we have the respect. I want to go back to Philly. Wow. So he said, okay, we, we will go back to Philly. Wow. So, yeah. So, That's great. So they, yeah. So I never in my mind, I mean, money wasn't going to be an issue. Like I wasn't going to go anywhere else for more money. I wanted to be part of the Philly family and, hmm. and, and, and be part of that. And, and, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, everything worked out great. Now, if I, when I'm looking back, I will tell you, I wish I would have done more. I'll tell you that. Hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. But you know that's the that's the mindset of an athlete. You know, you always want to do more and and, and you always want to do greater things. But yeah. you know that one championship, at least I can say, you know, I was part of that, and because of that, I will be part of the Philly family for life. So that's good. Amen. And you felt and you felt like the Lord was saying uh, all things in addition to the, the the positive experience you had here that this is where He was calling you to be. Yeah, it was, and even. Even in 2011, okay, when I got uh, DSA, designated for assignment, and I'll be honest with you, I, was, uh, I wasn't doing good. I wasn't, my command was off. I, was, I wasn't myself. I wasn't, you know, I, was, I wasn't, com- you know, I wasn't comfortable at that point when I was pitching, but it was because we had, you know, five amazing starting pitchers that were pitching deep into the game. Right. So I wasn't getting that much work. And I was the type of guy that I needed to get reps in order for my sinker to start working the right way. And I wasn't getting there. So even when they designated me for assignment, the Phillies didn't want me to go. They said, you know, let's, let's go to Triple A. Um, you know, you, you say you feel close to being back where you need to be. Go get some innings, you know, and get ready. Like, you know, it's like the, the, the part of me that needed to really come out, didn't do it at that point, which was the humble part of being a Christian, realizing the Lord put you here. Hmm. So well, I, I made a decision based on impulse. And I said, let me call, I called my agent. He said, well, there's other things that need lefties. And I didn't make the decision based on, you know, what was best for me and my family, which was be part of this family and be accountable for your actions. You're not doing that good right right now. But probably in August, they're going to need you. Go down, humble yourself, work on your craft, and you probably will be back up. 
And that was the biggest regret that I have in my career, walking away from the Phillies family in 2011. J.C. Romero, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, winning pitcher in Game 5 of the 2008 World Series, which started 14 years ago this night. There was a lot of rain. They couldn't play the next day. The game was concluded a couple days later on the 29th of October. We'll have a quick break. Come back, keep our conversation going. It's World Series Eve, and pleased to have J.C. Romero join us on the show. Also, just a quick note, we have 76 radios covered. Radio is a great medium to listen to baseball, is it, is it not? If you grew up in this town, you know Harry Callis and, and Chris Wheeler and Richie Ashburn and uh, Andy Muster back in the day when I was a kid, and they've had some other great broadcasters over the years, too. It's a, it's a side note. I'm just coming to mind here. But radio that we're doing is sending radios to Africa with Transworld Radio to help the gospel get out. And uh, you can help that by contributing a $50, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to do, whether it's online or by calling in. It could be uh, more than that or less than that. It all adds up. But it's $50. They're wind-up radios, and they can go uh, wherever they're for, since they don't need electricity. These radios can be taken all over Africa. We have nine countries we're working with specifically, and our goal as a listening family is 200. We've uh, been like a a slow start. We're starting to pick the pace up. We only have about four days left. We're at 76. We've had, you know, about a dozen or 15, 20 of them come in today. So that's good. Let's keep it rolling. Can we get to a little over 100 by the end of the day so we can be on the back nine at least as we head into the weekend? 888-988-5656 if you're willing to do one. 888-988-5656. 656 or right in our homepage. We have a scoreboard there. We try to update as we get info at WFIL.com. Thanks to all who have helped out so far and those who yet will listen to the Tim DeMoss show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss show on AM 560 WFIL. Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Glad to have J.C. Romero from the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series Championship team hanging out with us today before the break, sharing some thoughts about humility. Uh, And I appreciate that about you, J.C., that uh, I remember a few years ago, something similar, just your candid nature, where he had talked about uh, being competitive. You might see another guy who is drafted ahead of you, and his curveball's not working, and yours is, and you could give him info and insight, but you're like, I'm not going to help him. <laughs> but, as, but as a Christian, well, that, you do, right? So, <laughs> and, and that is the unfortunate part of, of you know competing. But I think when you're a Christian and you create that balance, you are sure and you are you know where you're standing and you know who you are. Yeah. Because when you're standing on the Lord, you know that the Lord don't make mistakes. He will do things for a reason. So if you firm yourself in the Lord you know that he wants you to act accordingly. You could help somebody, and you could continue to be great and do your part as well. But I think the fear of, of okay, uh, if I pitch him, he's going to take my job, I don't think that comes from the Lord. Is it a natural, na- natural nature, uh, nature? Maybe so, if you don't know who you are in the Lord. Because remember, when you play sports, your base, I mean, technically your whole reputation and your whole uh, character is based on on numbers, you know? Yeah. But when you're a Christian, you start thinking about not who you are based on your success on the field, but who you are, which is I'm a, you know, child of the Lord. Yeah. So when you know who you are, you don't worry about anything else. But it takes, you know, humbleness and maturity to get to that point. And I think that I got to that point a little bit 
like a year after I left Philadelphia, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I, I love them. I mean, no, and that takes maturity and God, you know, Lord willing that, you know, there are times we are stubborn and it takes us a while to listen. Uh, but you can always, you can always humble yourself at any point, even, you know, right now and, and humble yourself. So that's good. That's good. I love that. Uh, if you're just tuning in, JC Romero, just checking in and kind enough to hang out with us as the world series is upon us, Phillies and Astros. And, uh, JC was the winning pitcher in two of the 2008 world series games when the Phils won game four, you pitched Phillies had a big lead. You got to come in and get that, those reps as you talked about, but, uh, game five, I have one question to ask you about that. It was fascinating to me. Uh, known as the Chase Utley play, you know, people mm-hmm. re- people remember certain things, uh, but you don't, but you don't always remember like, the context around something. So, just to set the stage for folks who may not remember, uh, you came in top of the seventh in Game Five, which had started. You're already coming in kind of halfway through the game because it started on Monday, had all that rain, no game Tuesday. Now you're picking up in the sixth inning on Wednesday. Uh, you come in the top of the seventh. Um, and uh, Jason Bartlett, I think, is on second base, and you're pitching to Aramura. Uh, then, mm-hmm. And then there's a there's a there's a ground ball that goes to Chase Utley at second, and he knows he can't get the runner at first, but he he fakes a throw to bait the runner on second, Bartlett, to keep running around third base and go home. And so Utley pump fakes and then turns and throws home, where, which is where he knew he was going to go all along. Gets Bartlett at the plate, huge inning. You're on the mound for that whole sequence. Uh, and I'm sure it happens very quickly, but what were you thinking coming in, pitching to Aramura, and as that sequence unfolded? I'm guessing you're not surprised at Utley's baseball IQ to make a play like that. No, I didn't. It didn't surprise me, but what what I was surprised with was where how how deep he was playing. He was playing to pull. A lot of the lefties, um, especially with my sinker, when they pull, they pull really soft. Mm. So I would think, you know, I didn't think he was going to play to pull that much. So when I saw it, when I executed the pitch, and I saw that he kind of trying to the, the go towards the middle a little bit, and I saw that gap at first, I was like, no way. Wow. <laughs> like, he, that ball is not going to find a hole. And all of a sudden I see Chase coming. So once he started coming, I took off to home play right away. Because it's almost like you know he's not going to first base. So this is going to be, he's going to either eat it, he's not going to throw it, or if anything, he's going to throw the ball to third base to get Jason Bartlett into a rundown. So I went to home play immediately. Wow. It just happened. He faded it up, and he kept going to home play. And that's what you see in that picture. That I, I jumped because I was very close to home play. I'm thinking it's going to be a rundown, and I have to be the second guy behind behind Carlos Ruiz after, after you know, they get into the rundown. Right. But luckily, that didn't take place. It's fascinating, JC, when you describe that because one of the things I would, when I taught Little League Baseball, I mean, obviously you know way more than I do, but I would teach the kids, think before the ball is thrown. What are the possibilities? If you're playing, you know, third base or short, say shortstop, the ball could be hit to my left or it could be hit to my right. It could be hit soft. It could be hit hard. And I know the runner on first base is fast or he's slow. So just like give yourself as much advance notice about if the ball does this, I already know what I'm going to do with the ball. So it sounds like you are, your mind's already you know forming all of those things to get yourself exactly where you need to be if something happens, which comes with, I guess, all those years of experience and intentionality. You know, like you mentioned honing your craft earlier. You could be a kind of a lazy player who's not mentally sharp on what if this happens, whatever. And, and it sounds like you certainly were. It's very easy to to forget the details, not to take care of details when things don't go in your way. 
Like if you execute a pitch and all of a sudden they connect hard, the first thing into your head is like, man, I didn't make the play. That happens sometimes with a younger player. So now they forget the second step. Okay, you got running on second, you gave up a hit, you mad at the fact that you hung a pitch and you gave up a hit. Now the second step, you got to go back up home play. So, yeah. you know, some of the players don't, you know, forget that because they're so caught up in the fact that they didn't execute the pitch. And, you know, that could create more problems. Now they throw, the ball could be overthrown over the catcher's head. Now you have running on going instead of being first or second, you know, that runner that got the hit, he could end up at third base because you're not backing up home play. Yes. So, you know, little things like that. But I learned that at a young age playing for, for Tom Kelly with Minnesota Twins. They really uh, pay attention to details early in my career. And actually playing for Charlie. When Charlie was managing uh, Cleveland, um, the Indians, they were the Indians at that time, the yeah. Guardians, the Guardians now, um, they used to, I mean, you have a lot of, you know, Omar Vizquel, Roberto Alomar, Gene Tommy, all those guys, they play, they pay attention to details. And, you know, you have, you don't have any other choice. You have to learn how to do that as well because they demand that from you. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that paid off in that particular play. I'm just lucky, like I say, we didn't have to get on a rundown. It was an amazing play, a hands-up hands play by Chase Utley. And uh, after that, I changed the momentum of the game, and we continued to attack, and we came out with a, with a victory. Yeah, you score one on the bottom of, of that inning to go up and hold on. You pitch a scoreless top of the eighth. Lidge comes on, mm -hmm. gets that one hit, and he gives up a hit and strikes out Hinsky and Phillies win. And uh, they got that championship in their back pocket for you know the rest of your life, which is a and so many folks obviously are just that I, I was at those games and you mentioned earlier the the the, the electricity. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember the stadium almost shaking. I was sitting on the bleachers at the mm -hmm. two hundred level. It was it felt like the stadium was physically shaking. <laughs> so much excitement. It was. You know what? I didn't I didn't feel it that time because I was in the dugout. However, I was there this past weekend in Philly. And we were, you know, on the suite level. And I look at the, the guy that I'm standing with, and I'm like, uh, we better go inside. This thing is shaking way too much. <laughs> like, it was rock. I'm like, oh, my God, I never felt that like that. So I'm so happy that I experienced being a, a world champ and being in a World Series as an athlete. But being able to be a fan and sit in the stands and feel the energy, wow. It's amazing. I love that. By the way, were you, so were you thinking that Utley was going to be in a different part of the field before the pitch? Or, like, I don't know who, who's deciding. The players talk, you pitchers move people around. Like, could he theoretically have been in a different spot and you wouldn't have had to make such a, you know, heads-up play? Well, it's, it's, a, it's depending. Like, if you, if you, I mean, remember, back in the day, there was no analytics. There's not, there's nothing. It's, you know, he called a pitch in, and all of a sudden, Chase maybe took a couple, couple uh, steps to the hole just in case the guy would have pulled the ball because I'm throwing my sinker in. Right. What happened is lefties, for the most part, they could not pull the ball hard to the right side on, on me. Like, if they're trying to pull the ball, it would be a ground ball to first base very weak. Okay. And if they go and pull it, it's going to be, a, a, a you know, right at second base. It's more towards second base, not to the hole. But – I mean, and Chase put himself in the right position wherever he felt because he was going to have the, the best chance to make the play. Yeah. It just for me, it caught me off guard. He, he, I thought he would, he would have been a little bit more towards second base because, you know, if I would have been throwing 88, that's different. 
But once you throw you throw you're throwing sinkers at 92, 94, now the ball gets to you a little bit quicker, so it's harder to pull the ball. So most likely the ball is going to go more towards the middle of the field. Right. Interesting. Oh, it's fascinating stuff. I I, I love that. It's great to talk to you, JC. I, I have tons more things in my head, but I don't want to take all day for, with you, but I mean, for your sake. Uh, but uh, but I, just a couple other things. One, one off the top of my head, just out of curiosity, in 2006, mm-hmm. I, I, I managed our church softball team for 13 or 14, 16 years, whatever it was. We had some pretty good players. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of former major leaguers or, or like major league, uh, sorry, minor league players, double A, uh, stuff like that, and, and just a lot of good athletes. Um, and one year we went 15 and 0. And we swept 6-0 in the playoffs. And in the 40-year history of the league, we're the only team to win every single game. And we had so so much fun that we after we won, the next week, we actually scheduled a practice. <laughs> oh, wow. And we went to this, our home park, and we just had batting practice because we were still, like, basking in the fact that, wow, that was amazing season. I think we went out and got wings after and all that. But it was just, like, we didn't want it to end. Uh, you know, obviously, you all live in different places. But after 08 happened... I guess it's a long year. You're probably ready to go home. But was there a bit of that? I, let's not go home yet. I, I'm still ready to hang out with everybody. We, You know what? For us was let's go home, let's relax, and let's do it again next season. Yeah. It just happened that the next year we fall, you know, we fall years, you know, a tap short because the Yankees, they pick at the right time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think we did. We, we did exactly what you describing. We just did it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, and you had the parade to certainly come back together for. So, yeah. you know, that could Yeah, be- yeah. I'll tell you something. That parade in 08, uh, that was insane. I never said it, it was insane to the point when I got home, uh, I lay down in bed and I was, I could still feel my heartbeat in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was crazy. It was, it was an amazing feeling. That's great. By the way, if the at the Phillies, it turns out like if they need a left-handed reliever before the series starts and they want to put you on the roster, can you get ready in time? The, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. You know what? Um, it's like crazy. Like I saw Mr. Joe Middleton the other day. I had the opportunity to talk to him on yeah. abrasion and all that. And he said, like, man, you still look like you could pitch. And I say, John, looks are deceiving. <laughs> From the outside, it looks good, but that arm – all I could do is short distance, front toss, and only kids no older than 16. That's <laughs> funny. Well, no, you know what? I'm just, it's kidding, but at the same time, it's I'm sure as a competitor, and you know, Nolan Ryan pitched to his late 40s, and there's always Hoyt Wilhelm with the knuckle, knuckleball. I'd be like, are you serious, John? Yeah. The owner of the team is asking if you're you know ready to pitch. That's I've, that, that shows that you've got. No, no, you... <laughs> he, he was he was being kind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, we uh, I, I do want to throw an odd to uh, to your to your um, uh, country of your birth. You're born in Puerto Rico, right? That's right. Yeah. I'm so born Puerto Rico, yes, sir. So there are a number of Hall of Famers from Puerto Rico. There's of course Roberto Clemente. There's Pudge Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Al- Roberto Alomar. Orlando Cepeda, yeah, Cepeda. a lot of great players yeah. too. I guess Carlos Beltran will probably get there too. And there's you know, mm-hmm. from the Yankees, Jorge Absolutely. Posada, who you played against. Um, yeah, Jorge Posada played. I play against Jorge. Yeah, and then, and then I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, longtime Astro back when they had those uh, rainbow colors was Jose Cruz. I think was a Jose Cruz. Yes, yeah. I play with Jose Cruz Jr. His son. Really? Yeah, okay. I play with his son. Yes, I play with his son in Puerto Rico winter ball. Um, and I mean, I'm assuming Jadiel Molina is going to get there now that he's going to retire yeah. after this season. So you, you got you got a lot of good players there, uh, a lot of passion for the game of baseball. 
However, I think has been diminished a little bit. Like like a lot of boys, a lot of kids are doing other sports as well. Okay. And um, and so I mean that's one of the things that I'm I'm passionate about it. Like I want to kind of become like uh, you know a Latin boy for for those communities that don't have a voice, so I could continue to to you know giving hope to those kids that you know you can if I did it you you still can and I you know that's something that I would like to do not only in Puerto Rico but honestly in the Philadelphia area like I would like to to be involved with the community with the Latin community a little more because hmm. uh, it's always neat to see uh, guys that has done it that has come from the ghetto and I made it and uh, I think that will be very helpful for the for those communities and for the hope of those kids. Amen. Growing up was the baseball culture uh, in Puerto Rico uh, certain fairly normal, but just very popular. Or were there anything anything different about it than you've seen, say, in American little league and Legion ball and all that? Well, no. I mean, now it's it's a little different now because uh, over there back in the day, the talent was recruited from rec ball. You know, there was no travel ball teams. People couldn't could not afford travel ball teams. Okay. So all the talent is from travel ball. So now, I believe. Um, there's, uh, I believe I want to, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I was actually having a conversation with my sister the other day and she said, man, this company is coming over here. Um, and they are making these kids pay, you know, thousands of dollars to play. And they say they're going to take him to the state and play, I'm playing perfect games and stuff like that. So, you know, perfect game is something that is very popular in the United States and people could afford that. But if you bring that same concept to Puerto Rico, hmm. it's not going to be the same. Are you going to hurt a lot of kids that probably cannot afford paying twelve and seventeen hundred dollars to play baseball? Sure. You know, rec ball, you play baseball for twenty dollars. Yeah. So you know, right. the, I, I'm hoping that people can understand that. You know, you're leaving a lot of talent out, and you're not seeing a lot of talent because you're charging too much. Yeah, right. So I'm just hoping they could find a midpoint in which they could help those people as well, so those kids. You have a fair chance. Bonus question for you. The uh, Puerto Rican pitcher with the most career victories. Any guess? With the most career victories? Yes. Oh, my God. I, am I going to sound bad? <laughs> All right. Is it, is it, is it um, Joel Pinheiro? Uh, no. I don't know how many he has. But I, 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 someone who pitched up until 20, he retired in 2011. Double-digit wins 11 years in a row. One hundred and sixty. Oh, Javier, hey, Javier, Javier Vasquez. That's it. You got it. Hey, hey, Javier, yeah. It's Javier, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was a, 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 that was my second choice. It was Pinedo, Javier. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how you can forget. I mean, for me, I was thinking. I remember when he was like he because he won eleven, twelve, fifteen games every year. Like that was standard. Yeah. It was very consistent. He did. He did. I tell you, if he would have played for. Um, you know, in a different team for a longer period of time, who knows what type of numbers he would have had. Yeah. Because uh, he, he used to win 11 games. I, I think he won 11 games for the Marlins one year, and the Marlins weren't even, like, you know, the type of team that they were, like, far as the, the offensive, uh, you know, uh, right. threat that they were for a few years. So, I mean, they weren't scoring that many runs, and he still won 11, 11 games, I believe. And he retired early. I think he was in his early, mid-30s, like 33. 34 I think he retired yeah, I think he he, he tweaked yeah he was he was dealing with fury injuries I mean we and and Harry we play against each other when we were younger American Legion and all that yeah and he he was an infielder 
So uh, okay. yeah, so his arm was fresh. <laughs> That's great. By the way, is there do you do you do any? I know you did some broadcasting with the Phillies a while back, and uh, you're you're very well spoken. You're very knowledgeable. Do you do any? Speaking engagements, do you desire to do any of those sorts of things, whether it's uh, about baseball or about combining that with the faith, if a church wanted to have you come speak? Or, do you ever do any of those sorts of things? I haven't done it. I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that something will open up now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, people could um, – because I want people – every every athlete has, an, has a story, and I know there's a lot of people that is like when they mention my name, they see J.C., Man, he was mean, this and that. And I'm like, no, I wasn't mean. I just played the game of baseball with passion. But, you know, I'm a teddy bear, man. It's like, yeah. I don't, you know, that's not the the guy that I am, you know. So uh, I want I want to get involved with that. And like I say, I'm I'm, I'm actually exchanging numbers with some people in the front office with Philly, stuff like that. But, it, it, you know, uh, that's that's on the plans. I, I want people to, I want people to hear my voice and my story. That That's a passion of mine. And I think it's a calling the Lord is calling, you know, he's calling me to open my mouth and speak. So okay. um, I'm going to obey. Good. Amen. Well, we'll keep in touch about that. We'd love to help support that if that's, uh, especially in the greater Philadelphia area, as that maybe uh, comes to fruition. Of course, so it says in uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10, right? It says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So he's already got it Amen. for you, you know, just walk in it as he Amen. provides. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, JC. Thank you for your time and uh, hey, no Phillies. I'll see you guys this week and I, I will be back in I will be back in Philly. That sounds great. Looking forward to yes, it. Sir. Take care, God bless you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. God bless you. Bye. All right. JC Romero, winning pitcher in game three and five of the two thousand eight World Series. Game five started fourteen years ago tonight. Soggy soggy soggy. They had a night off and uh in between and then finally came back on Wednesday, the twenty ninth. And close things out, J.C., part of that win right before Brad Lidge. Everyone remembers Brad Lidge on his knees, hands up to heaven, you know, just so excited. We actually played a conversation back yesterday we had with Brad four years ago, recounting that. I was showered by a certain drink. You were, yeah. After that Lidge going down on his knees, yeah. everyone went up. Ah! <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of... It, <laughs> A lot of Not just rain. Unintentional <laughs> contact that night, too. People just, it was going crazy. Oh, so, good times. Yeah. So that was great for JC. We're glad JC was kind enough to spend some time with us today. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, wrap things up on the other side. We do have to have the, have the podcast this up later on, too, so you can grab that and listen to it. Uh, and, of course, we're on the uh, you know eve of world the World Series. Joel uh, Pinheiro had 104 wins, looking it up uh, on online here. So he would have been, I guess, maybe second for most wins in Puerto Rican pitcher history. So uh, JC was very close on his original guess. All right, quick break. We'll wrap things up in just a second. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. All right, 4.56 in the Tim DeMoss Show. Last couple minutes here. A big thank you to Ernest in Clarksboro, New Jersey, who went on and helped out in our partnership with Transworld Radio. Uh, Ernest probably didn't give to be acknowledged. Let's just put it this way. We're at 96 radios now with 104 to go. And before our conversation with J.C. Romero, we were at 76. (laughs) So if you want to do the math, that's up to you. But thank you, Ernest, for that big gift. I had mentioned earlier in the hour, it would be lovely to cross the 100 mark 
before the show is done so that we can spend these next few days trying to get the back nine covered. We need to get to 200 by Monday at midnight. You might think, no, it's easy. It's not really as easy as it might seem. In a way, it shouldn't be too hard. These are $50 radios. covers all the uh, the funds, the taxes, the import, uh, distribution, everything. And these are going to nine different countries in Africa and it allows the, the gospel to be heard in the recipient's own language. They're wind-up radios. That's the key part. You don't need a plug to plug them in anywhere. They can take batteries, but they can be expensive, so they don't even have to have that. You just crank it up and you can listen. So be encouraged to uh, help out. 888-988-5656. 888-988-5656. Or on our homepage, WFIL.com. Maybe you can do one for $50 or half for 25 a couple for 100 or or several or more. Let's march and keep this moving forward. I think we can get there. Earlier today, I was really honestly not so sure how it was going to go. So I'm very encouraged. Please keep it moving forward. 888-988-5656. Victoria, on the back end here, I got some good news yesterday that I have a friend who has tickets for games three, four, and five for the Phillies next week. They're, you know, they're playing Monday, I'm Tuesday. I'm going to one. You're going to go to Which one are you going to? Well, just quick summary. My dad has a season ticket, you know, yeah. I think advantage, not right. advantage, but they get first dibs. I think I'm going to game three is on Tuesday. Three oh. is Monday, Halloween okay. night. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, then the one after that, Four. November 1st. Yes. So, so you could be at the clincher. Yeah, well, so well, the, the good news we'll is my friend has hundred, and these are hundred level seats. Wow! Nice. I texted my kids, and they're like, "Okay, what now? What are you saying, Dad?" I said, "Well, the bad news is they're two thousand dollars. Yeah, they're Each. not. They're not cheap. <laughs> yeah. Each fourteen thousand dollars to take my family. I uh, probably won't be going. Mm, lottery. There's yeah. the lottery. <laughs> so, uh, in any case, but uh, those who have it enjoy, and uh, it's fun to watch on TV. Thanks for listening in. Have a wonderful night. Famous Friday shows tomorrow. Alistair Begg, Truth For Life, straight ahead, WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.